Thank you. I'll pop it here, I'll Pop it here. Oh. God, those lights are bright, aren't they? Yeah. It's just great to be here. It's lovely to, um, to visit with you again. I think I was here probably over two years ago, um, since uh, back in the days, the pre-pandemic days. And um, uh, it's just great to be here in person. This is the, I've, I've preached in a few places online over COVID, but this is the first place I've been to in person, which is just great to see live people, live faces. And uh, so I'm, it's, it's great to be back. It's just great to see some faces that I know. I especially want to make a mention of my friend Ellie, who I thought I wasn't going to see today, but I'm so glad you're here as well. And I hope you're feeling better. It's lovely to see you. And also a Scottish person, which has really thrilled me. <laughs> you know, when you said, you know, say hi to somebody near you. And, I, and I, it, well, it was just great, you know. And most Scottish people, hooray, hooray. But, but it's going to be a great morning, isn't it? We've got Scottish people here. Fantastic. So I would never live there myself, but I do love to, uh, I love to meet other Scots. We were in Edinburgh last weekend, um, and I took my, my potentially future son-in-law, he's not proposed to my daughter yet, he's going to get past me first, um, and uh, took him to Edinburgh and Glasgow last week and took him around the sites, and uh, he was just so thrilled to be in Scotland, as we always are. So great to see you as well. Med- Medved. Medvin. Med- Medvin. Medvin. He said it's a Scottish name, but we haven't got it in Glasgow, so... Uh, <laughs> I think, I think that story is very dubious, personally. Anyway, great to be with you. So, um, I want to encourage you this morning. That's good. Um, thank you. Uh, I want to encourage you this morning. I'm here to encourage you. Um, and uh, I want to take you to some scriptures. Just uh, when I was uh, speaking with... Um, sorry, what's your name? Dan. Dan. Uh, speaking with Dan this week, you know, I get these moments. Um, when I was speaking with Dan this week, I was, we were just talking about where we've been as a church. And one of the things that for us in, in Wakefield has been really important is as we've come out of this period, of this weird, strange period of lockdown, it's almost to, just trying to remind ourselves of who we are and why we are. Why is a very important question. You know, it's not like we, you know, I was um, thinking about this. You know, when you're a small child and you ask your mum or dad why, and they say, because I said so. You know, they give you that, because I, you know, but, but it's important to know why, because why motivates us. Why is the thing that, that gets us up in the morning? The, the big whys of life are really, really important. And um, I feel that today is significant. Even, even the very first scripture uh, that Dan took us to, Psalm 27, such an important scripture in my own life. Um, I was, I've been saved now. I became a Christian in 1974. I know what you're thinking, I'm not that old, but 19, I was only, I was very young, got saved in my dad's church, and, um, but in my teenage years, I rebelled from God, like a lot of teenagers who are brought up in church do, I walked away from God, we were living in a place called Keithley, um, lovely town, Dan would probably find that exciting as well, don't ask me why, um, it's, it's, it's even less exciting than Wakefield, I think, but there we are, so in a place called Keithley, and um, I, I rebelled from God, rebelled from my parents, and um, I ran away to Glasgow, thinking that Glasgow being the promised land was where I was going to be happy, all the things that were important to me that I thought were up there, but I found myself as in, in my month running from the Lord, a bit like Jonah, I found God really spoke to me. And that psalm was very significant. Not just that psalm, but Psalm 84. Because Psalm 84, it talks about how lovely is your dwelling place. You know, how lovely. And the thing that that I missed the most 
when I rebelled and ran away from God was the house of God. Because God dwells among his people. He dwells in us individually, but it's so very important that we know he dwells among us. He manifests himself among us as his people. That's always been God's way of doing things. When you look in the Old Testament and the Exodus, um, the children of Israel, they, they camped together, but the temple was right in the center. All the other tribes, all the families um, put their tents and their camps around, but God was right at the very center of his people. And that's why for me, being amongst God's people, being in the gathering is so important. This, I love this place. I don't just mean this place, but I love to be amongst God's people. I love to be in the gathering, and I have missed it so much. I don't know about you. I really hope that you have. I've missed it so much. And so a couple of months ago when we started to meet together over in Wakefield as a church again, it was a delight. Our building is not dissimilar to yours. We've got stairs that we go up. And I always think of that old psalm, you know, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. You know, I love it. I go up the stairs. I feel like that. I know that the building itself is nothing more than just bricks and mortar. But when I gather with God's people, I'm excited. I'm glad to be here. And I really hope that you are as well. If you're not, you should be. And if you're not, hopefully by the end of this morning, you will be. That's where we're going to go. So I'm going to... How long do I get, Dan? I, don't even, I haven't even asked you the question. Do you know what? You, you joke. I could do that. No problem at all. No problem at all. So uh, yeah, don't, don't wish for something you don't really want. Anyway, I'm gonna, we're going to look at some scriptures together today, and I want to encourage you from the scriptures. And we'll start, if you brought your Bibles, I hope you have, you know, it's good to bring your Bible, um, because you can tell if I'm telling the truth or not, or I'm just making something up. Very important to know if you're, you're telling the truth. I don't like mobile phones, for those of you who get mobile phones, because I think you're probably on Facebook or tweeting or, you know, watching football or something like that. Um, Celtic kickoff against Aberdeen at half past 12, so I'm okay and I've got it set to record, so I won't miss anything. Hebrews, sorry, I hope that. Are you a, Are you really? Oh, God help you. I'll tell you my ministry at the end for people like that. There we are. Anyway, so Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to read from verse 19. We're going to start here today. Therefore, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, by the way. Therefore, brother, since we have boldness, to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he has inaugurated for us through the curtain that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful." And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's where we're going to, that's our, our jumping off point today. It is so important for us to be together, to be encouraged with one another. It's so important for us to not neglect meeting together. And I know that, um, you know, that there are some people who will um, use this as an excuse to say, oh, I don't feel quite ready. I don't feel I want to come back yet. Why? 
and I'm saying this because there's people that I know who have not yet got out of the habit of sitting in their PJs on a Sunday morning watching the meeting on Zoom with a bit of toast and a cup of coffee. Don't get me wrong, we thoroughly enjoyed that, didn't we, love? It was great, it's so relaxing. Having been in church ministry for so many years, I've always been there early. My dad was a pastor. I've been going early since I can remember. And we're always the first ones there, always the last ones to leave. So we did enjoy those first few weeks of sitting with a you know, bit of toast and a cup of tea and watching someone else do all the work on the television. But that's not natural. It's not natural. And we must break the habit, even if it's, a, even if it's something that's been enforced on us. We've got to break the habit and realise how important it is to be together. We really need one another. I have missed and need my brothers and sisters. You've got something that I don't have. I've got something that you don't have. And together, we're called to encourage one another. Amen? I like amens. I was a Pentecostal, so yeah. Feel free to, uh, feel free to say amen anytime you like. Um, or I don't even mind a come on. Sometimes I hear a come on. The one thing I didn't like, I visited a church years ago down in Cardiff and there was a weird guy in the front who every time you said something he agreed with, he went, mmm, fresh bread. <laughs> I found that a little bit strange. So, oh, anyway, an amen or a come on, I'm quite happy with. Anything beyond that, I think just, uh, you know, think it yourself, really. Okay, so we're going to go, we'll go from Hebrews, I'm going to go into Acts chapter 2, in a scripture I think we'll all know reasonably well, or we should know reasonably well. As a church down in Wakefield, we've been going through the book of Acts together, chapter by chapter, week upon week, again, just looking at those initial things, those initial practices, those initial things that the church was excited about. And I'm going to, in Acts chapter 2, you've got at the end of um, Peter's speech, uh, this is verse 41, it says, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 of them were added, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And then I'm just, as we move down, verse 46, it says this, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. I love that. Every day the Lord added to them. And my, this is my way of thinking. I'm thinking, well, if the Lord added to them every day, they must have been doing something right that promoted people being added to them every day. What were they doing? And this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you five specific purposes, five specific reasons why the church came together and why it's important for us to be together. And I believe it's significant because two things have already been mentioned today by Dan. Number one, we broke... I wouldn't say bread, it was cardboard, was it? I don't know what it was that I ate. Um, but it was, it was something significant about that, you know. But we broke bread together, and also you're praying together tonight. I want to give you five specific reasons why the church came together. And they didn't just meet on a Sunday, they met together during the week. When we first started in Wakefield um, 10 years ago in the, in the, the church there, um, one of the things we noticed about the church was they were very much geared towards a Sunday, but nothing else really happened. And because Sunday was so important to them, Sunday became, um, I'm trying to think of the, the right phrase, but people were focused on everything being right on the Sunday. Did we have the right songs? Did, you know, when there was a tongue, was it the proper interpretation? Was there a prophecy? You know, and the, the, the satisfaction of church was, did we do everything right on this meeting? But really, there was no fellowship in the church. There was no sense of togetherness. It was all about the meeting. I want to tell you, church is not all about what happens for two hours on a Sunday morning. We are the church. 
This is not the church. We are the church. I know I'm saying that to you and you're thinking, well, of course, that's very true. But what does that mean? What does that look like? It says they devoted themselves. That's very, very significant. In other words, they were committed. They were committed. I am devoted to my wife. You can't see it, but behind that mask, she is beautiful. There she is. Oh, the face that I fell in love with all those years ago. But I am devoted to her and she is devoted to me. We are committed to one another. When we got married almost 30 years ago, again, I know it's very hard to believe, when we got married all those years ago, we committed to one another. And therefore, I am, I, I am completely um, absorbed in her and she in me. She knows that wherever I am, I'm speaking well of her. Speaking well of her. I've worked in environments um, where men speak badly of their wives who are not there, which I think is horrific. The same way, I'm not saying women are, are innocent, you know, I know women get together and complain about their husbands as well, Karen told me. <laughs> we don't participate, we are devoted to one another, there's a devotion to being together, there's a devoted a commitment to one another. The family of God is meant to be devoted to one another. You know that's true, don't you? If you've got brothers, and I've got two brothers and two sisters, and it's okay for me to say things about them, but if anyone else does, you know, but I'm not saying we should do that. Here's the thing, we should speak well of one another. We should think well of one another. We should be devoted to one another. Amen? Thank you. Oh, I knew someone was going to do that. I knew someone was going to do that. It's not fresh, it's obvious, by the way, just saying that to you. Right? And, uh, uh, I said this in Hull and Abby Flavel was in the front row and she just did it the whole way through the meter. I don't know, I don't know why I bother mentioning these things. So they, devote, they were committed to one another. Do you know the Bible tells us that there is great power in agreement? When we are together with one mind, there's great power in that. Matthew 18 talks about that. Where two or three come together in my name, there's power, there's great power. And Jesus and the apostles, particularly when you read things like John, through John 17, 1 Corinthians 1, they were so focused on the fact that we should be one. We should be committed. We should be devoted to one another. We should be one. These relationships are important and they don't happen magically. They happen when we spend time together. They happen as we build friendships, when we are committed to one another. That is so important. So I want to, first of all, encourage you today. I know that we broke something earlier on, uh, allegedly bread. Uh, I, I want to encourage you, that shouldn't only happen here. When you get together for meals, try, when you get together, think about this. You can break bread at home. Probably a better quality of wine and maybe some tiger bread or something cool <laughs> like that, you know. But you can do that. Why? Because as Dan said, it, doesn't, it signifies our oneness. It signifies our community. The word that's used in the scripture, the, the Greek word, is this word koinonia, which is where we get our word communion from, but it also means community, partnership. That's what it is. It's a partnership, one with another. Being together is really, really important. And we'll take that first. So on Acts chapter 20, I'll flick across to that one. It's only one verse, and I won't um, ask you all to turn there. But this is what it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. It says, on the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. In other words, the meeting they had was for the specific purpose of breaking bread. Communion was important to them. You know that the in the scriptures, in the New Testament, they didn't have any fancy furniture in the church. The thing, the only piece of furniture they had was the table. 
When you look through, you know when you visit sort of really nice church buildings, they've got all this great stuff, big goblets with, you know, gold on them and, and, and diamonds and things and crosses in the corner and all this kind of stuff. But the New Testament church, the one thing they had was the table. The table was important because the table was the place of communion. It was the place of truth and honesty. Dan read that scripture this morning in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, I believe, you know, and it talks about we don't come to the table unworthily. We don't come to the table without, without having everything sorted out between us and between God. It's one of those, it's, it's why we should do it regularly, because it regularly reminds us to make sure my heart is right this way and this way. That's important, isn't it? It's really, really important. You've been in those churches where Mrs. Smith sits over there and Mrs. Jones sits over there and they haven't spoke to each other for years. I have. It's awkward. I've been the pastor of a church like that, you know. And as the pastor, I've had to address it. I've had to say something. This is unacceptable before God. I have two beautiful daughters, both of whom are in their 20s, and they learned this lesson very early on because even though they got on very well, occasionally they would fight and fall out. And we wouldn't let them have their dinner till they sorted it out. Tough love. <laughs> they like the food, so they sort it out pretty quickly, you know. But I would do it. I wouldn't have an attitude at the table. I wouldn't let them, I wouldn't let them away with coming to it having had a big argument. I would send them upstairs and I would say, don't come down and don't sit at this table until you've sorted it out. And they go upstairs and you hear kind of... <laughs> then they come down a few minutes later. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Mom. They said, everything's sorted out. Okay, let's eat. And that's what we do. You know, I think that's a good lesson. That's important for us. Don't come to the gathering if there's something wrong with you and another brother and sister. Don't come if you're out of line um, with the Lord himself. I'm not saying don't come to the meeting. What I'm saying is get it right first and then come and share the communion. There's nothing sweeter to go and put your head in the pillow than a clear conscience to be right with one another. It's true, isn't it? It's so true. I hate having something that's not right between me and someone else. It bothers me. It niggles me. It's like a stone in my shoe and it should be for all of us. Let us keep clear accounts. It says here, the church met together for the specific purpose of breaking bread. So that's number one. Number two, the second thing they came together for was the ministry of the word. This is Acts chapter 11. I'm going to read you from verse, uh, let's see, let's go forward from there. Acts 11, I think going from verse 25, I think. It says, yeah, this is um, the start of the Antioch church. Barnabas went to Tarsus to search for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. The church gathered to hear the word of God. The word of God's really important. There's lots of churches that will give you a pep talk that you could get from any kind of, um, you know, like a John Maxwell or one of these sort of uh, inspirational speakers. But they gathered around the word of God. The word of God is vital to us. It's vital to come and hear the word of God because if we hear the word of God together, we're less likely to go off on weird tangents, making up as we go along. This is not going down well, Ellie, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm trying my best here. It's really important that we hear the word of God, that we're taught the word of God. This is our plumb line. This is what we measure everything else against. This has been so important for me throughout my life. 
I've been in situations where you hear things or you're taught things think that is not true. If you don't know the word of God, you'll be swayed by that. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the body of Christ. It talks about these Ephesians ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers. And it says about bringing the body together so we won't be swayed about by all sorts of weird things. Hearing the word of God together is really important. It builds a foundation in our life. The Bible also tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. If you want faith, you need to hear the word of God. If you want to hear the word of God, you need to be where the word of God is being preached. Not only that, take it away, chew over, talk to one another in the car. Don't just leave a gathering and just think, well, that was nice and go home. Let it sink in. Let it dwell in you richly. That's what Paul said. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of God is important. It's important as a church that we come together and we hear the word of God. We receive the word of God and we let the word of God do what it does. Jesus says the word of God is like a seed. And you know yourself from that parable. Jesus said this is the most important parable because if you get this, you'll get everything else. If you let the word go down deep inside you, it will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. You will see a change. And Jesus talked about sometimes it falls on hard ground but it's not received. Sometimes we let the, the life, the cares of life, you know, choke it and, and, and rob us of it. But we are to be those that hear the word of God and allow it to do what it's meant to do. The word of God is important. Coming together to hear the word is important. You know, there's, there's some people that I like to listen to on God channels, God television. There's some other people that talk utter drivel. Just want you to know that. I won't go there, but there really is, you know. And there's some things that, you know, the things, are things that I've, I've watched and I actually feel like throwing my shoe through the television set you listen to. I, I restrain myself from doing that, you know. I know you're thinking Glaswegian probably doesn't, but I do, you know. It's so important that we, under, we know what the Word of God says. We won't be swayed about. Is that okay? So that's two. We gather for, for communion, breaking bread together, and we gather to hear the Word of God. This is why the church got together. <coughs> Excuse me, I haven't got COVID, by the way. It's just a bit of a cold, all right? In case you're worried, we've been tested. My wife and my daughter both work for the National Health Service and we've had checks this week. We're okay. Just a wee bit of a cough, all right? Sorry? Oh, sorry, I thought you said something. <laughs> the next thing they gathered for was they gathered together to pray. But this is what you're doing this evening. This is Acts chapter 12. And uh, we read this as a church over in Wakefield a couple of weeks ago. And I love this story. Anybody remember Amy Grant? Anybody old enough? Just one of two of us. There we are. Do you remember that song, Angels Watching Over Me? You know, I, oh, I love that song. For those of you who haven't heard, you've really missed out. You know, back in the 80s, Christian music, we only really had two artists, I think. We had Keith Green, you know, for the hippie types. And then we had Amy Grant, you know, for the more sort of young, trendy types. And uh, go on Spotify, find her. There's a great song she sang, Angels Watching Over Me. But in chapter 12 of the book of Acts, you've got Peter in prison. And it says this, it says, verse 5, Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. And then verse 6, on the night before Herod was to bring him out for execution, Peter was sleeping between two chains. Don't start singing out the back, I know what you're thinking. And uh, while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. And of course, Peter gets released 
An angel is motivated as the church came together to pray. We did a study a few weeks ago in the church, which I absolutely loved, all about angels. And again, we sang the song, we, the first song we sang this morning, talked about, you, you're thinking, did we? <laughs> Praise him, oh heavenly host. That's speaking about the angels. Do you know when we gather together, angels are present with us. Angels are present with us. Angels are here. In, in, back in the book of Genesis, Joshua is, not Joshua, sorry, Jacob is out by himself and he's sleeping out in the wilderness on, on, by a rock and he has this dream and he sees angels descending and ascending and he wakes up and he says, this place is the gateway of heaven. This is the house of God. And he called it Bethel. And that, that's such a significant thing. Why? Because Jesus said it to his disciples as well. He says, you're going to see greater things than these. You're going to see angels ascending and descending. Why did Jesus say that significant thing? Why? Because the house of God, which we are, is in communion. We are the gateway of heaven. When people come to our gatherings, they should encounter heaven. Jacob said, which is something that we probably can echo, he said, he said, you know, he said, the Lord was in this place and I didn't discern it. I didn't know it. We should never come together and not discern that God is present in this place, that heaven is present in this place. That takes your worship to a whole new significance, doesn't it? It takes it from, we're just going to sing a couple of songs before, we, you know, as the warm-up act for the preacher, which is how some people think. We're not, you're not the warm-up act. Like, great. You're not the warm-up act. When we begin to worship the Lord, we're engaging with heaven. And what happens here in Acts chapter 12, I don't have time to go through this today. If you do a study of angels, you know there's more, I think it's like um, there's more angels um, or angelic encounters in the New Testament than the Old. Lots of people think that the angels were only employed because the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come. But actually, we see more angelic encounters in the New Testament. And why is that important? Why? Because the Bible tells us, it says the angels minister to those who will inherit salvation. And we know the angels respond to the word of God. It tells us that in Psalms. The angels hearken to his word. When we pray the word of God, things happen in the heavenlies. You must never think that when you pray, nothing happens. When you pray the word of God, things begin to happen. And you've been given authority to pray the word of God. I never need to, you know, if I'm praying for somebody to get saved, I don't need to ask, Lord, is it your will? Do you know why? Because it tells me in my Bible that he desires that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. I believe that. No, not everybody does, but I know that God's not against them. I know that he's for them. And I know that it's right to pray that way. We can pray that way. I can pray to the Lord for my provision because he is my provider. And I can go to him and say, Lord, I thank you that you are my provider. And I thank you that you meet all my needs. I pray that prayer regularly and he's never ever failed us or let us down. When you pray the word of God, things begin to change. And we need to be a people of prayer. That's the ministry of the church. That's how we minister to the Lord. And there are so many things we should be praying for, aren't there? We should get our eyes off just our own needs and be thinking about something bigger than ourselves. One of the things that Karen and I pray for regularly, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Belarus. A number of years ago, we, I went on a mission trip 
to, to Belarus and the church that we visited there only this year, the government confiscated their building and threw them out onto the street. A thousand people in a city that gets down to minus 35 in the winter. We're praying for that situation. We're praying that God will restore the, what, what's been stolen from them. We believe that to be true in the word of God. We believe that God can change the hearts and minds of those in authority. We pray for those situations. Let me encourage you as a church, pray for big things. Expect big things from God. Don't have small faith, have big faith and believe that he is able to do more than all we can ask or imagine. How good is that? That means no matter how big your prayers are, he can do more. He's a great God. And when we come together to pray, we're engaging with heaven. When you meet together tonight in this room, or even when you're meeting online, but those of you in this room, believe that you're engaging with heaven. You're not just people standing in a room and God is far, far away and doesn't hear anything at all. No, heaven is in this place. Heaven is in this place. Boy, that should excite us. Shouldn't it? That should excite us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where was I? I've only got to point three. We're doing well here. We're doing well. Okay, the fourth reason the church came together was in order that the gospel is preached. The gospel, the good news is preached. Mission is at the very heart of who we are. We want to see the world saved. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. We want to see the world saved. We want to see our neighbours saved. We want to see our family saved. But they're not going to get saved unless they hear the word of the Lord. So the gospel should be preached. When we come together like this, what a great opportunity to preach the gospel. That's why it's important for us to bring our friends. It's important for us to pray and bring our family members. The gospel should be preached among us. The good news. We should never get tired of it. Who gets tired of hearing good news? The Bible says, how lovely on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I stopped watching the news about a year ago. Amen. God, I was depressed. Every day, there was nothing but bad news. And there are certain channels that even when there's good news, they'll try and find the bad angle. Don't they? For the sake of balance. I just stopped watching it. I'm sick and tired of bad news. The world is tired of bad news. We have got great news. We really have. Karen and I were just talking about this today. There are so many Christian believers who, if you, if you think about it this way, are still kind of wandering around, not really making any progress towards their destiny. They're just kind of getting by. But God's called us to move from the wilderness into the promised land. We should be getting better. I should be different than I was last year and I should be having some victories in my life. Otherwise, what's the point? Can I say that with all honesty? We're not just people that are hanging on, waiting for Jesus to come and rescue us. The Lord talks about the kingdom. That was the main message that we see all the way through Jesus' teaching and even as we read through Acts. If you read Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, and then the final verse of Acts, Jesus starts teaching about the kingdom and Paul finishes teaching about the kingdom. The kingdom is the ever-increasing rule and authority of God in our lives and in the world. I believe that. Don't know about you, but I believe that. 
I don't believe I'm holding on in a holy huddle waiting to be rescued. I believe that we should be taking ground individually and as a people. Somebody say amen. It's important. Who wants to be same old, same old? You know, it's okay for older people because we're nearer to Jesus, you know, getting to meet him than you are. They say, well, you know, come soon, Lord. You look at somebody, come soon, Lord Jesus. But you young folk, you've got a long way to go if he doesn't come back soon. You don't want to just spend your time hanging on. We're here to take ground. Hallelujah. The gospel should be preached. Lives should be changed. And the gospel isn't just for those outside. The gospel is for us as well. We could spend hours, three hours even, talking about, you know, deliverance for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, good news for the poor. That's what Jesus started. If you're poor, good news. And let me say this, the good news is you don't have to stay poor. Can we say that? Can we say Yes. The gospel is prosperity. If it's not, what is it? Is it poverty? How can I help somebody else if I don't have enough for me and something to share? Let me show you something. Let me show you something. The guy from Dundee may not recognise this. Ten pound note. <laughs> Stereotype, they're terrible. This, I put this in my pocket this morning. I put it in my pocket this morning for a specific reason. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Anybody here struggling financially? Anybody got a need? Just put your hand up. You could miss out. Anybody at all? Thank you. Do you know why I can give you that? Because God's been good to me. God's been good to me. He meets my needs. I don't need that. It's extra. I'm not saying I'm a millionaire. I'm not by any means. Karen runs all the money, you know. But I want to tell you, the reason I can do that is because God's been good to me and I want to bless you. And I want you to move from not having enough to having more than enough so that you're in a position very, very soon to not just have enough for yourself but to be able to help someone else as well. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. I'm so tired of hearing the word prosperity talked about as a bad word. It's not. Jesus, if you look in the scriptures, it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing. It's not a good thing to be avaricious. It's not a good thing to, to just desire more and more things. But God wants us to be a people who are able to be generous. Generosity is good, isn't it? Is that okay? If you're offended or if the leaders are offended, you won't ever see me again because they'll never invite me back. <laughs> But I want to say that's really, really important. We were called to be generous. You know, I want to say this to you, my dear friend at the back there. It gives me great joy to see a smile on your face. And I really hope that meets a need that you've got. I really hope it does. I really believe that. It gives me great joy. But I put it in my pocket this morning to give it away. I brought it to give away. Karen does tithes and offerings and all that kind of stuff. I've got the good job of being able to give something away. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive, and it is. And if you're only struggling to get by, you won't be able to give. I want to encourage you. God wants you to do well so that you can be generous. Don't believe me? Read in Corinthians what it says. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower will also supply you so that you will have enough to abound in all circumstances. That's the word of God. He wants us to abound. To me, a selfish prayer would be to say, Lord, just give me enough for me and my family. That's selfishness. We've got to be those that are generous. God wants us to be generous. 
Hallelujah. That wasn't even on my list of points there. I just thought I'd throw that in free of charge. The gospel is good news. Hallelujah. I'm glad I came. Don't know about you. Okay. I'm gonna, this is my final point. You said to warn you. Give you a warning there. So she can go and fetch her guitar. Ugh. This could take 15 minutes, though. Don't, um, you know, don't rush. Don't run. This is the final thing. And um, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 14. And if you've got your Bible, have a look at this one with me. This is really important. <coughs> and again, we've really been encouraging our folks in Wakefield um, with this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, whenever you come together, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language or a tongue or an interpretation. All things must be done for edification, which means for building up the body. The church here met together specifically so they could move in spiritual gifts. We are a body of believers. It's not, a, it's not that you come to see me in my gift or the worship leaders and singers in their gift. We're a body of believers. And if each one of us has the Holy Spirit, each of us has something that we can give as well. It's really important. It says all these things are done for edification, which means for building one another up. The Holy Spirit's been given to you to build one another up. I met with a, a friend a few weeks ago who had been over in Hong Kong. Anybody heard of Jackie Pullinger over in Hong Kong? Fantastic um, uh, church over there, fantastic women of God. And he said that he was there for a few months in the church there. And one of the things she used to say was she met, nobody was allowed to come to the meeting unless they were prepared to give and to receive. And so she'd asked him, have you got anything to give this morning? Meaning a spiritual gift. And if they hadn't, she would pray with them until they did have. What pressure. But it's really important. Now, I'm not saying that all of us are going to bring something all at the same time. But it's important for us that we move in the spirit of God and that we are able and we, we practice spiritual gifts. God is able to speak to us through spiritual gifts. Karen and I, I don't know if I told you this story last time. I apologize if I did. But this is really important for us in our life. When we were in a, we just got married uh, and we were, we were in quite a big church down in Swansea in South Wales and uh, we had a, a big peer group, a big youth group, young people in the church, which you're going to have in about nine years' time, judging by this morning. You're going to have a huge youth group because you're already nearly outnumbered, which is worrying, you know. <coughs> but we were in a big church down there. And at that time, there's about nine couples in the church who all got married round about the same time. And all of them were starting on their careers. All of them were buying their first houses. All of them were sort of getting on the, on the, the ladder, if you like. But God... We felt God had spoken to us that we were to go to Bible college. We felt we were called to go to Bible college. There was a man in the church at the time, a nice man, businessman, but not a very spiritual man. And he constantly nipped in my ear about the fact, what was I doing in my life? Why was I wasting my life? Why was I going off in this wild goose chase? And he would say these kind of things. He said, other people, are, you know, you should be, you know, getting yourself ready, get yourself on the housing ladder, thinking about your career, doing these things. You're going to waste the best years of your life off in this wild goose chase. That's what he said to us. And, um, and that really kind of affected my faith. Do you know when you've got people that, 
there's people will do that, won't they? There's some people you think you've heard from God, there's people will nip in and will affect your faith. And it was affecting our faith. So Karen and I were in a bit of a, what should we do? Maybe he's right, maybe we are. Maybe we've missed it here. And we prayed and we fasted. We prayed and we fasted all day on a Saturday. And the next day we went to our church meeting in Swansea. I could say, big church. And in those days, you know, with the meeting, the church meeting leader, it's, it's not an easy job, you know, when you've got contributions coming. Because sometimes people bring contributions and it sends the meeting right down the, the, the Swanee, doesn't it? You know, they go, oh, heck, I'm, I've got to rescue this. In fact, my pastor, I was a worship leader down in Swansea, and my pastor said to me, there was a particular man, nice man, but he used to bring these mournful, dreary songs that would basically depress everybody you know, something from, you know, Lamentations or something. And he would start at the back. And my, you're going to think this is terrible, but this is my pastor said to me. He says, if he sings, if he does this to the meeting, he says, I want you to sing the happiest song you can. So he had me primed as the worship leader. And occasionally it would happen. This man would sing this song and, um, you know, and you'd think, oh Lord, how did I come from this? You know, come bless the Lord. We'd try and get the meeting back on track because it was obviously going downhill. Anyway, that's not the point of the story. <coughs> on this particular day, a man stood up who doesn't normally stand up and he brought a scripture and the scripture was completely out of context with what was going on in the meeting. It didn't fit the narrative of what was happening in the meeting. And it was from Proverbs. It was from Proverbs chapter 27. And this is what the, this is what the verse says in Proverbs chapter 27. It said this. It said, he said, I believe this is for somebody. The Lord says this, go into the outdoor field and do your outdoor work and afterwards build your house. That's what it said in Proverbs. And the guy read this scripture in this meeting. And I'm sure the leaders at the front at the time were thinking, what do I do with this? But for Karen and I, it was BAM! That's it! That's the word that sent us off in our destiny. That was it. We knew this is the Holy Spirit speaking right to us. And to this day, I'm grateful to that man. He must have been sitting there looking at that verse thinking, this is, what's this for? But he had the courage to take that scripture that God had put in his heart, brought it, and for us, that set us off on our road. And you know, I'm not saying this, please hear me, I'm not saying this in any way to, to, to big ourselves up, but we've seen people saved. We've seen people healed. We've seen some things happen, and which would never have happened in our lives if he hadn't had the courage to have that word at the time, because he put this, this guy had totally put me off. Does that make sense? We've been fruitful in our lives and we want to continue to be fruitful in our lives. But we look back at that. He wrote a book, this guy wrote a book a few years ago and he mentions that story. That's a significant story for us. When you come together, 1 Corinthians 14, everybody has something. So I want to encourage you in those verses, I am going to wrap up, honestly, I'm not going to go for three hours. Um, I want to encourage you in all those areas. When you come together, number one, come together regularly, not just in this setting, but come to the prayer meeting Meet together and break bread together. You know, come together and, and express, use the gifts of the Spirit that God has given you. Come to hear the word of, the God, of God preached. Come to hear the word of God being taught. If the church is doing something, we're, we're doing a teaching series on whatever, get there, be there. Get the word of God in you. You will not regret it. It will do you good. I don't think I've said anything today, which for most of you that have been Christians for a long time, there's nothing here you've thought, well, that's a revelation, that's brand new. I'm sure you've heard a lot of this stuff before, but I'm here to remind you and I'm here to encourage you going forward. This is what we must do. 
We are a people of purpose. We're a people of destiny. This is the gateway of heaven. God is here. Heaven is here. And we are here. When we gather together in his name, things happen. And I want to really encourage you. I want to encourage those people that are watching on Zoom uh, far away. I want to encourage you. If you can get here, get here. Be here. Don't be frightened. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. But I want to encourage you, be together. There's great power in our togetherness. Does that help anybody at all? I really, I really hope, I hope you're encouraged. I want to encourage you because this is so important. We've been in a, a season which has not been a great season. We need to once more get ourselves started. We need to start exercising our spiritual muscles. We need to go into the cupboard once more, like I did this morning, try and find something that still fits. You know, you know, find something that still fits, but get out there. You know, we might, we've been living in jogging bottoms and t-shirts for months now, you know, but it's just, isn't it great? You know, Karen said, what are you going to wear today? And I said, I'm going to wear that pale blue shirt that I like. She said, I've not seen that for months. I said, it's in the cupboard. I know it's in the cupboard somewhere. Here I am. I don't think I've worn a smart shirt since 2019, but here we are, you know. It's lovely to be here. You know, get yourself ready. Get yourself thinking, I want to be with God's people. It's not that we want to spend all, please hear me, it's not about all we spend all our time in meetings. That's not what I'm talking about here. You know, it's good to to do things outside as well. But when the church gathers, there's great purpose in our gathering. There's great purpose in our togetherness. And let's do it. And let's encourage one another to do it. If you've got friends that are missing today or people that are a bit maybe worried to coming back or don't fancy it just yet, say to them, it was great, let's get together again. Let's be together. Can I encourage you, be hospitable once more. You know, open your home up once more. Have people into your house. Hospi- hospitality is really important. That's what builds community together. And I think I'm probably just going to stop there. Is that okay? Shall we just pray? I think, I think there's, there's a happy song coming. Um, <laughs> She's thinking to herself, is it Emily? Yeah. Emily's thinking, how do I get this meeting back now, you know, after, <laughs> after this, this angry Glaswegian? No, I'm not angry. But let's just pray. Let's get, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for our brothers and sisters. Lord, it's just great to be here today on this sunny day to see each other's faces. It's been great to worship you, great to engage with you, great to see each other. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to break bread and take the cup together to remind us of all that you've done for us and remind us of who we are as a people. And Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you just engage with this word? Would you let seeds go down into everyone's heart, Lord? Would you reignite us, excite us once more to be the people you've called us to be? And we pray for this church here today, the Oak Church, Lord, that as we come out of this season, that this is going to be a great springboard, that you are going to restore the years that have been lost over this last period of time. And we're going to see new life and new growth and salvation, that this house is going to be so full they don't have room enough to contain it. We pray for that, Lord. We pray they're going to have to find new locations or have multiple meetings. But Lord, let there be great fruitfulness in this place as your people come together. Lord, let there be great prosperity in the house. Lord, let this be a place from which blessing flows out. Let this be a church that meets the needs of the world around it. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. We pray for healing in the house. Lord, that your gifts, your miracles will be seen 
in manifest ways in the lives of individuals. Let lives be changed and transformed by the power of your spirit and the power of your word. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much.